0: Fired up Browns with your host Daniel Garrett, and today we are joined by Tyler Fornes to discuss the Browns' week four matchup against the Minnesota Vikings, both teams coming off wins in week three. The Browns come into this one at two and one, and the Vikings come into this at one and two. So let's get into it. I'm here with Tyler Fornes of Man of many different uh, jobs here: NBC Sports Edge, The Daily Norseman, Climb the Pocket, Blue Chip Scouting, and Voices of Wrestling. You can find him on Twitter at the real forno. That's the real, and then F O R N O. Tyler, how you doing today? I'm good, sir. I'm uh, excited for this game this weekend, and I'm excited to talk some Vikings. Yeah. Happy you could join us. And last week, the Vikings did beat the Seahawks 30 to 17. And the Browns are coming off a win as well, beating the Vikings division rivals, the Bears, 26 to 6. And let, let's start out with some injury situations here. First, for the Browns, have Greg Newsom the second out with a calf injury. JC Tretter and Jedrick Wills both hurt along the offensive line, but expect both to play. Jedrick with the ankle and JC Treader with the knee. And then obviously we are without Jarvis Landry is probably our biggest loss outside of Newsom for that Newsom role can expect 3 Williams to step up and play. And then for the Vikings last week, we're without Dalvin cook with the ankle. What, what's his status for this upcoming week?
1: We really don't know Dalvin's status. He is practicing on a limited basis, but they're really going to take it day by day and really see where he's at. I think after this past weekend against the Seattle Seahawks, there really isn't a need for him to play right away. Uh, Madison filled the role quite well and the offense just felt more balanced with him in over Dalvin Cook because it, when you have Dalvin Cook in there, you feel compelled to get him the football. They did not feel that uh, that compelled to get Madison the football even though he ended up with 46% of the touches on the day. It just felt like a more natural ran offense. So I think they're going to be really careful with Dalvin Cook, especially considering he has a history of nagging injuries throughout the year. Make sure it heals. Uh, We'll know more probably Saturday uh, when they'll announce if uh, like the final injury report, um, my guess is he won't play, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did. It's just going to have to be something we monitor.
0: Yeah. And like you said, Madison, very good performance in Cook's absence. 26 carries for 112 yards, very efficient. And really, if they can get that kind of production out of him, like you said, it really doesn't necessitate rushing Cook back at all. If you're getting that kind of production from your backup, it's, I don't know how much better you can expect from Cook, anyways. So,
1: yeah, Dalvin Cook is a phenomenal running back. You could make a good argument that he is the best running back in football. But at the end of the day, There's a reason why people say running backs don't matter and why they utilize the practice. You can get a third round back like Alexander Madison and get 80 percent of the production for a lot less money. So the fact that the Vikings are able to kind of make that work with Madison instead of Dalvin Cook really speaks to one, the position of running back and how valuable it truly is. And two, uh, the foresight, the Minnesota Vikings had in bringing in Alexander Madison a couple of years ago in the draft.
0: Yeah, and a, a lot of what you do get with the, especially if you are of the opinion that running backs don't matter, um, you see a lot more offensive line investment. And that's something that Minnesota definitely tried to do this year with taking Christian Darisol in the first round. We haven't really seen him yet. So is, is there any chance that Darisol starts to play here? He obviously had some injuries coming into camp there a chance that we get to see him in this game or if not when do you expect him to get some reps you know i'm not really
1: sure uh with uh christian derisov he is a full participant in practice this week for the first time with the minnesota vikings because he had that court injury and it just kind of kept lingering where they had to do another procedure in order to fix it so uh, when you kind of think about that and the fact that He's going to go against Miles Garrett for his first matchup. I really don't expect him to get the start. I would not be shocked if he dresses and does get some playing time. That's really going to be a wait and see. I think the smartest play for Christian Dariusaw is to hold off as long as you can. And that's probably going to be that Detroit lions game, which I believe is next week. And once, once you get the lions here, then you're going to be able to give him a little bit of an easier welcome to the NFL matchup than uh top five edge rusher, Miles Garrett.
0: Yeah. And you, you really do want to see as a Vikings fan, I'm assuming you want to see what he can do, especially given how talented he was coming out. But ju- just the fact that, like you said, Miles Garrett for as your guy going up against in your first career start, and not to mention just Miles Garrett, they, the Browns do have a good depth edge rusher and Tack McKinley, and obviously Jadavian Clowney starting opposite of Garrett as well, where no matter who they throw out there on that edge, it's really going to be a problem for a rookie in his first start. But you saw last week against Seattle just – Pretty good play all around, and you especially saw that with a very efficient Kirk Cousins game, 30 for 38, 323 yards and three touchdowns. What have you thought of his performance so far this year?
1: I'm going to be honest. I didn't hear who that player was. Uh, Kirk Cousins. Oh, Kirky? Oh, Kirky. Kirky's been really weird, man. Um, I'm going to just be straight up with you. He is, it feels like he's a different football player. And when I say different football player, we all knew that he was great with a clean pocket. He is a top five uh, passer uh, in PFFs rankings uh, from a completely clean pocket. And then when he doesn't have a clean pocket, he drops to 22. This year, however, he's number one with a clean pocket. I believe he's 11th without a clean pocket. Um, Kirk has really flipped the script as far as the narrative around here, you've got people who uh, are Kirk stands. It's like, this is how he's always been. I'm like, no, he's always put up good numbers, but you can tell there's a massive difference on the football field. And it, I think it really starts with just his command in the pocket. He's more comfortable and confident in his offensive line. There is no gaping hole. Like there has been the past few years with Dakota Dozier as your right guard. Um, they have Oli Udo, who's who is a massive tackle. They drafted out of Elon in 2019. He slid in there, and he's been able to overcome some of the height issues that he has because the man is six eight, and he he has his hands dropped really nicely in protection. And he has been an absolute revolution. He is a top ten offensive guard per PFF's rankings in the National Football League. So when you kind of look at all that, the confidence that he has in Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson is showing. He also has confidence in uh, fourth-year tight end Tyler Conklin, who's a fifth-round pick, um, I think, out of Central Michigan in 2018. And then the revolutionary thing was uh, K.J. Osborne, fifth-round pick last year out of Miami, drafted explicitly as a returner, but he was not used as a returner. He, it, like, this year, he developed himself into a third wide receiver. Last year, he looked like there was no hope of him becoming a wide receiver weapon. He overcame all that. And now he's looking like a bona fide number three option for this team, which is something they desperately need after Irv Smith got hurt.
0: Yeah. And you, you look and you have all those very good supporting pieces around Kirk Cousins. And you, you don't even mention the just outrageous one, two combination of Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, who I think that's going to be one of the most interesting matchups of this game is how Jefferson and Thielen fair against a pretty good Brown secondary. You have Denzel Ward, obviously. The, the top concern for me is going to be Greedy Williams. We just haven't really seen what he can do in the NFL. Just been hurt and hasn't got a lot of experience. So it's going to be interesting to see how he can do against these top end wide receivers. So what, what do you think of that matchup there? I think it'd be a really good matchup.
1: Um, the receivers and corners on both these teams, it's, it really feels like we're talking about the same thing, right? Uh, there is one really good corner on both teams, and then there's a lot of question marks. Uh, for the Browns, It's you have Denzel Ward, who's been a revolutionary after a lot of people ripped on the pick, not taking Bradley Chubb. He's been fantastic, and he's in line for a big extension. For the Minnesota Vikings, it's Patrick Peterson, uh, and he is not what he used to be but he still has that veteran savvy and he's able to kind of play well enough. But then after that, there's just massive question marks on both sides without Greg Newsome that you've got greedy Williams. And for the Vikings, it's Bashad Brilliant, who's PFF's worst rated cornerback so far this season. Uh, the matchups are going to be incredibly favorable for both offenses. Baker Mayfield and Kirk cousins have a real chance to exploit the other team's cornerbacks. And because of that, that we could see ourselves in a real shootout with two teams who want to run the football wide zone and control the clock. So it's going to be a really, really fun game from that aspect. Two teams trying to do the exact same thing with very similar
0: matchups. Yeah. And, and with that point about the Vikings corner situation, I did want to ask about the Cam Dantzler situation, what's going on there, obviously is not starting after having been a starter last year at the end of the year. And a lot of, from what I've been able to read, just doing some quick research seems like some more off field work ethic stuff going on with him. Is that correct?
1: Nobody really knows for sure.
0: Uh, there've, There've
1: been some people talking about how he got injured in the off season and then he came to training camp with the injury and the team wasn't happy about that. They asked him to add about 10 pounds of muscle and there's been talk about how they weren't necessarily thrilled about how he uh, started practicing with all that extra weight. There's a lot of little things that that we're just really not privy to that it could be. Uh, It's very interesting to think about because I'm not a hundred percent sure what the deal is. All I know is Cam Dantzler is the, uh, third or sorry, the second best outside corner on this football team, and he really needs to be playing at that position and not Bashad Breland. It feels to me like Zimmer's punishing him either for a good reason, we just don't know about it, which they won't share because there's some stuff you just keep in the locker room, or it's just another instance of Mike Zimmer utilizing archaic philosophy from like the mid 90s and earlier where
0: he's in the doghouse and he's just not getting out. Yeah like you said just tough to know and if like you said compared to Breland definitely a more talented player so when you go against obviously you have up and down performances out that wide receiver two for the Browns but if they get one of those up performances it can be a real issue for Breland especially if we get a good Donovan Peoples-Jones game or a good Rashard Higgins game you never know when they're going to come but if This happens to be one of the days that that is the case, then it could be a tough day for him. And you go next to where I think the Browns will be looking to really have an advantage based off of what happened last week. The Seahawks, 5.9 yards per carry on 18 rushes. Now, very small amount of rushing attempts in total. So hard not the best sample size to really draw many conclusions off of but what you do look at is the Browns are going to want to run the ball more and have been a more effective team overall than the Seahawks and Browns are averaging 34 carries a game and getting 5.1 yards per carry on those so I really I really want to know what your thoughts are against a very talented Minnesota front seven. Obviously you have some issues on where your defensive line isn't the best, but you do have a very good top end linebacking core there. And I just want to know what you think of this rushing attack going against the Vikings defense. It's going to be a really interesting matchup. And I think you laid it out nicely. The Vikings have a good
1: front seven at Anthony Barr plays this week, which is really still up in the air. It wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't play until after the bye week, uh, just because he has that kind of knee tendinitis, which is really been what's hindering him. And then on top of that, he had a hamstring pull. So he's got to do a lot of healing still. But the front seven outside of that is fantastic. Eric Hendricks is a top three middle linebacker in football. Nick Vigil has been a revolution at the other linebacker position, kind of subbing in for Anthony Barr in the meantime. Uh, he was a was the guy they signed just above the veteran minimum wasn't really supposed to do anything. And he stepped in and played really, really good football. And that's about all you can ask. Guy just comes in and plays good. You, on the front, you have Daniel Hunter, who is a top five edge in the NFL. You have probably the biggest interior defensive line in all of football with Michael Pierce at about 340 and Dalvin Tomlinson about 320. And The other edge is a rotation between Steven Weatherly and DJ Wan and both day three picks for the Minnesota Vikings over the course of the last six seasons. And wide zone is going to be the most effective way to beat these guys uh, because you don't want to run up the gut. You don't want to run inside zone necessarily because you have almost 700 pounds of beef just sitting right there. And they're not just uh, beef guys. They also are explosive athletes for their size. Uh, It's going to be very difficult for the Cleveland Browns to be able to just move those guys. But if they can utilize their leverage with outside and wide zone, I think that can be really successful for them. And then Baker with the boot action, yeah, it could just be absolutely deadly. Uh, so it, I think rotating those guys is going to be key. Like they have been doing all season. Like they ha- did all of last year as well. Um, it, it's going to be a fun matchup because that Browns offensive line is good. Um, I did hear Nick Harris might be starting. Is that correct?
0: It's a possibility. Treader does have that knee injury. Mm-hmm. It's unsure. I think Treader is going to play but it's definitely not a for sure thing at this point he has hasn't been last I checked I didn't see whether he did today but before today he hadn't been practicing but again just unsure at the time at this time as to Mm -hmm. who that starting center is going to be I would expect Jedrick he tried to play on that ankle last week but there there's a possibility we could Maybe maybe we see those guys start, but there there's a possibility they don't finish the game and we see some backups in there and Hanson Harris coming in for those guys.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll say this much, man. Uh, if Nick Harris is in there, that interior is going to have a field day with him because he can't anchor uh, He is not a strong boy. He is very quick, very agile, one of the best in the NFL. But he is your gear Bradbury, except not quite as good. So if he were in there, I would genuinely be worried from that perspective that he gets forklifted by the big boys in the middle.
0: I hate to say it, but anytime Nick Harris is in the game, regardless of opponent, I kind of get worried just because of that lack of anchor. It it looks, obviously, he can hide it better at center if he is to play for shredder, but we saw it mostly at guard last year, and that was just absolutely horrific but no I, I it's also tough because
1: Nick Harris is a center only you don't want him playing guard yeah. if he's playing guard it it's going to spell bad things for your team
0: yeah especially being he's like 280 285 it's just very very small center but we we go to Baker Mayfield now who throughout this season so far has been better than some people projected um You look and you see a lot of similarities in their games between him and Cousins, just in terms of level play. They have different strengths and weaknesses, obviously, but you do have guys where generally, if you look at them, you wouldn't necessarily think that they're the strongest arm guy. Both those guys have arms and arms that you just don't expect out of watching their general play, but really they can make the throws that they need to make and they're very good in the play action game and baker i think is probably one of the best in terms of you talked about earlier boot and especially when he's going to his left just one of the best at being able to go to the left on the boot and the -hmm. browns really do look for him for him to get out that way because that is where he's most most comfortable so what what have you thought of baker mayfield so far i love baker mayfield uh
1: i I think he, at the end of that Chiefs game, he played just a little bit tight and wasn't nearly as loose as he was in the beginning of the game when they were just absolutely torching the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't necessarily think the loss is his fault because there's a lot of different things that went wrong at the end of that game for the Browns to lose. But I'll say this, uh, Baker Mayfield's a guy I will never, ever doubt. I, I think he's just a fantastic football player. Not only a fantastic football player, He's just got that kind of moxie mentality that you just want behind center. He is a cocky son of a gun, but he is more he's on the confidence side of cocky. And that he just believes he's going to get it done. His teammates uh, buy into that confidence, and they buy into him as a leader. Like I think that Baker has a chance to become a fringe top five quarterback in the National Football League. I don't think it's this year, but I do think it's coming. And I, I would take Baker Mayfield right now over Kirk Cousins. I would take him over probably every quarterback in the NFL, but like seven or eight. And the only guys I'm not taking him over, are like your, your Mahomes, your Rogers, your Dak Prescotts, your Lamar Jacksons. And that's, that's a pretty elite group to be talked about with.
0: Yeah, really your MVP candidates is really about as far as that list goes. Now there there's, at, it's quarterback, so there are a good bit of of MVP candidates at the quarterback position. But once you get past there, it really is where you get to see Baker really show that he belongs there. And I, I am a big Kirk Cousins guy. I think that he can really lead a team as far as it needs to go if the pieces around him are right. And you, you look, and I think think the only concern for me in terms of going forward with this Vikings team would be that secondary so I think if they can you know it might not be this year their year but if they can really get that secondary fixed they have just so much talent and when you look at the Browns how they're facing them short at receiver without Landry It could be a very difficult game for the Browns. And these are two pretty good teams in the NFL. And I think this is going to be quite the battle here this week. So let's get to some of our predictions here. Start off with our MVP of the game. Tyler, who's your MVP for this one? This one I had trouble thinking
1: about because there's a lot of guys that I think could really end up being the MVP of the football game. But one that really stuck to mind uh, when, and I kept coming back to him as I talked about this was Daniel Hunter. Daniel Hunter has five sacks on the season and he has caused so much havoc just coming back and playing that, that right defensive end spot. I think Daniel Hunter is going to probably only have a sack if that, because of how talented that offensive line is, but he is going to draw so much attention from that offensive line. And Stefanski knows how good he is because he saw the development every single day until he got the the job with the Cleveland Browns. They're going to commit a lot of resources to him. And because they commit those resources to him, you're going to have to see guys win on the interior. You're going to have to see Everson Griffin win on the other side. You're going to have to see Sheldon Richardson, Michael Pierce, Dalvin Tomlinson win on the inside, get creative with blitzes, Because of his presence, the Vikings are going to be able to do so much scheme-wise. And I think he is going to be the key for the Minnesota Vikings if they want to win that football game. So that's going to be my pick.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to actually stick in that same general matchup there where you look at the fronts of each. And I'm going to actually go with, I think, Wyatt Teller just, I think – He's going to be the MVP for me just because of the fact that you have such a large and strong interior defensive line. And I think his ability to actually move people in the run game is going to be one of the keys. And you might not necessarily see it if we don't have Tretter in there, just because you're going to have to make up for the fact that Harris is just so small if he is playing inside Shredder. But if we do get Shredder out there, I can, I definitely think Teller's ability to move people is going to be insanely valuable for the Browns' run game and what can help them get this victory. So let's go next to the sleeper. Who's your sleeper for this one? A the Minnesota Vikings side of the football. I think
1: the sleeper is going to uh, – we're going to talk about a guy who I was bearing earlier in this podcast, uh, cornerback Bashad Breeland. Uh, when you look at him last year, he was a top 25 corner uh, per PFF, and when you're a top 25 corner, you are a good football player. I don't know what his deal has been the first three weeks, but as of right now, he doesn't look like somebody who should be playing a down of football in the NFL. He needs a lot of work in order to get to that next level where he can be rosterable where you can actually feel comfortable putting him into coverage. But because of that, and Mike Zimmer's stubbornness and him likely to still be the starter, he's got to have a bounce back and and, and progress back to the mean. And I think this could be the game to do it. That You know that Zimmer's been hearing all the noise about how bad Rashad Breland is. He's been asked a lot of questions about Cam Dantzler. I think he's probably going to spend a little extra time with Rashad Breland, talk about some things, scale back some of the things Rashad Breland's responsible for one thing the Vikings do, the corners in a lot of coverages get to pick their depth. And Breeland picks some really bad depths, including the DK Metcalf touchdown, giving him way too much space and backpedaling right away, allowing for an easy speed out for a score. And I, I think he, we could see a real bounce back from him. And I hope so, because if the Vikings want to do anything, they need good corner play.
0: Yeah, and my, my sleeper is going to be actually seeing a lot of Breland I would assume and that's Donovan Peoples-Jones just really having again stressing this you have to have these secondary playmakers for the Browns step up in Jarvis's absence and Jarvis is going to be gone for at least another week after this if not longer and so you look at Peoples-Jones having a monster training camp and having a monster preseason you haven't necessarily saw the consistent production out of him so far this year. You've seen flashes where last week Baker him on a couple back shoulder throws where it was looking like they were really connecting. And you see him be a downfield vertical guy being able to get the ball at the catch point. And you don't see the consistency. So that's why you don't necessarily hear a ton about how well he's playing because it's two or three plays in a game where he's really showing it. But I think to win this game and be an effective passing game, someone outside of Odell has to step up, and I think that's going to be Peoples-Jones. So,
1: Peoples-Jones scares me because Higgins is like a 7 out of 10. He's always going to give you really good stuff. He's never going to be like completely dynamite. It's those high upside athletes that are going to be able to give the Vikings real issues on the outside and having Peoples Jones in there. He's, he's somebody I'm worried about being able to take advantage of how our corner play has been.
0: Yeah. And just the the Browns don't really have anyone else comparable to people's Jones on the roster. Everyone else is a, bit of a smaller around that six foot range not not necessarily big bodied either so really Peoples-Jones gives them a very unique skill set and especially when you talk about as a downfield threat too outside of you have Schwartz who is a very inconsistent rookie middle round pick you don't really have anybody that can really go downfield much either so it's a very unique skill set for the Browns and something they really need to get going and so we'll finish up here Tyler what's your score prediction for this one I think this is going to be a
1: barber of a football game I think it's going to be a better or a more high scoring game than a lot of people think and just with Both teams, I call the Cleveland Browns the better version of the Minnesota Vikings. I think they do. They try to do the exact same thing on the offensive side of the football. Defenses are not necessarily similar, but they're both very talented. But, like, Miles Garrett is just a little better than Daniel Hunter. Baker Mayfield, I think, is a little better than Kirk Cousins. Um, And then just kind of go down the list, and the offensive line is quite a bit better. Vikings have better receivers, but not better depth at receiver. You, when you look at all those things, um, I think I'm going to give the edge to the Vikings by a point at home just because it is at home. I'm going to go 28 27 Minnesota. If this game was in Cleveland, I think Cleveland wins. But because the Vikings have home field advantage and having gone to many games at U.S. Bank Stadium, including this past week, it's a home field advantage. It is loud. That is a passionate group of people that go cheer on the Minnesota Vikings and the players, you can tell, beat off of it. They love it. There it was no mistake. Justin Jefferson was the last announced player uh, for player introductions at the beginning of that game. He was so hyped up and you could just feel his energy running out of that tunnel. So I'm going to go Vikings 20, 27, but this is going to be a phenomenal football game and it's going to be a barn burner. And I'm really excited for it.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty close to you. I am going to give this one to the Browns though. I'm going to go 31, 28 for the Browns. I do think, a lot of what you said, where Minnesota does have a fantastic home field advantage, and I I really do think where the Browns are going to get this advantage is against that secondary in the passing game. I think this is going to be very much a Baker Mayfield and his receivers show they're the only thing to couch that with, they do need to be able to run the ball effectively to really set up their play action game. So it's going to be a whole offensive threat required type game, because I'll, I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter. Minnesota scoring, going and put up some points. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really care who it is. I don't really see many defenses that can entirely stop Minnesota. It, It isn't like some other teams where you have like the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes. You're obviously worried about Patrick Mahomes' entire kill, but you got just consistent performers across the board. So I really don't see the Browns being able to necessarily hold them like they were able to the Bears. This isn't isn't anywhere near that caliber of team. This is a very good offense. So I think this one, like you said, barn burner, shootout, high-scoring game here. 31-28 Thirty-one twenty-eight for the Browns, and so you can catch Tyler for- Fornes' work at NBC Sports Edge, The Daily Norseman, Climb the Pocket, Blue Chip Scouting, and Voices of Wrestling, and find him on Twitter at the Real Forno. That is T H E R E A L F O R N O. Tyler, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Again, thank you to Tyler Fornes for joining us here today on Fired Up Browns. We will be back next week to recap the Browns Week 4 game against the Minnesota Vikings. And then later on in the week, we will preview the Browns Week 5 game against the Los Angeles Chargers. And so, look forward to a fun game on Sunday, 1 o'clock. Let's get fired up.